Welcome back, my football friends. This is the NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred. And as always, we got another great episode lined up for you here. Uh, we're going to review last week's action with our favorite storylines. We're going to take a look at some of our favorite picks this upcoming week for week 11. Or excuse me, week 10. No, I apologize. Week 11. Oh, man. Starting off just wonderful right off the bat. And then, as always, as promised, we're going to give you our mock draft, our first-round mock draft from the midseason action. So make sure you you tune in. And as always, subscribe. And we're going to just jump right into it here. So after a week nine where not a lot of stuff made sense, uh, we're going to take a look at some of our favorite games from the week. And the first game right off the bat, the number one storyline, in my opinion, is going to be the Tennessee Titans uh, outlasting the... LA Rams in the absence of Derrick Henry. So when you take a look at the game, the Titans won 28 to 16, and it seems like a vaguely close game. But under the surface here, this this is never really much of a game. The Rams took a, a short lead, kicked a field goal in the first quarter, were winning three nothing. And then after that, there was a couple of bad decisions by Matt Stafford, which resulted in a pick six and a, another turnover that set up another score by the Titans. And they carried a 21-3 lead in the halftime. So when, now that you know that, you take a look at the, the box score stats, and you're seeing two teams well outmatched. Uh, you see the Tennessee Titans, 194 total yards to 350 by the Rams. And really, they just beat them up in every single asset of the game, except maybe the turnover margin here. Turnover margin, Tennessee was plus one. Uh, but every single other place is where the Rams won this game, and they just didn't win it in the box score, which is the most important one. So I think this is the most important thing is because this defense has been atrocious uh, through the first eight games. And honestly, I don't think anybody would have seen that coming against one of the best teams in the league. And then when you talk about the other side of the ball, Tennessee Titans were, were losing their engine. That really makes them go. They don't have Derrick Henry, who in many people's minds was an MVP candidate just because he is the heart and soul of that team. Well, this this result doesn't really necessarily support that claim. So, nonetheless, the Tennessee Titans are currently, I believe, the number one seed in the AFC after this win, and it was a huge win for them uh, as they continue to to knock off some of the better teams and lose to ones that aren't so great. So that brings us to our number two game on the week, and the number two game on the week is going to be the Wounded Cardinals down the 49ers. So this is another great game where you see the Arizona Cardinals uh, take down the 49ers. And the Cardinals were minus Kyler Murray. They're minus A.J. Green. They're minus DeAndre Hopkins. They're minus J.J. Watt. They had a ton of injuries on the both sides of the ball. And they still just took it to the, the 49ers. And when you look at it, 31-17 to 17 is a pretty good thrashing. And they were really in control most of the entire game. And even when you take a look at the stat line, the Arizona Cardinals pretty much won every single facet of this game as well. They ended up with 437 total yards, which is better than the 337 by the Niners, 274 passing, 298 for the Niners, so they barely edged out the Cardinals there. But rushing the ball, they dominated. It was 163 yards to 39. And we all know that Kyle Shanahan's really well known for being like this run game genius. The Arizona Cardinals were also plus three in the turnover battle and plus 13 in the time of possession. So basically when you add it all up, it it comes down to just an absolute dominating win. And really, 
Uh, without Kyler Murray, I, I don't know if I would have seen this one coming. I think I, I might have even picked the 49ers to win. But Colt McCoy was serviceable. He helped manage the game. And then they had a, a real dominant run game from James Conner and Eno Benjamin, who combined for probably, actually I don't even got to say probably, I got the numbers right here. They combined for just over 130, 140 yards. So, nonetheless, I think it's a pretty impressive win. It's It shows that the Cardinals are, are I believe, for real. I mean, the only loss right now is to a Green Bay Packers team that's 7-2 and two that had Aaron Rodgers at the time. So, I really think that this kind of turns some head and says, like, hey, we can still be good teams even though we don't have our full lineup, which is what a lot of the good ones have been doing this year. Which is going to carry us over into the third game of the week. Or, excuse me, not the game, but the third high or storyline of the week. And it's going to be the Broncos running it up on the Cowboys. And the Broncos laid an absolute thrashing of the Cowboys of 30-16. to 16, And this never was really that close of a game. Honestly, when you take a look at it at halftime, and I'm just pulling up the box score to confirm it, they were 16 to nothing at halftime. And they just kind of just kept rolling with it. And... Teddy Bridgewater was great in this game. He didn't turn the ball over at all. And the Broncos were plus two in the turnover margin, minus two for the Cowboys. And really, they they outgained them. They played way better on defense. And Dak just kind of looked like he was a little bit stiff, a little bit not fresh, which is, it's okay. You're coming off an injury, but you can't just completely no-show like this against a team that, I mean, honestly, I, I thought was mailing it in a week ago. They still might be. And, Somehow you lost to them. So you take a look at the box score. They had 407 yards to 290 with the Cowboys, 217 passing to 212 with the Cowboys, and 190 yards on the ground at 78 uh, gained by the Cowboys. That's a that's a huge number. We're talking almost 200 yards rushing. And really, that's going to help you with this next category in time of possession. They ended up with 41 minutes of time of possession which is just absolute domination. That's like three, almost three-quarters of the game. And that's, I mean, that's definitely highlighted by that 190 yards rushing. And really, it was Javante Williams and Michael, or excuse me, Melvin Gordon both that really kind of contributed to this, mainly Javante Williams at 111 yards. But honestly, this is, this is one of the results that surprised me. I thought the Cowboys were kind of one of those teams in the NFC that are like a force to be reckoned with that like you don't really want to see come the later season times just because the defense had looked better and because the offense has been absolutely explosive but now after this you take a look at it it's it's kind of a no-show maybe it's one of those uh, write-off games that you don't really pay attention to like uh, Green Bay New Orleans earlier in the year but nonetheless this is we're getting into the crunch time here and this is when the true colors are going to show. So hopefully Dak is still healthy and it's not a nagging injury and they can get get the ship right before next week. For our fourth storyline this past week, it's going to be the Browns keeping pace in the AFC North and really laying a shellacking on the, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns ended up down in the Bengals 41-16 to on Sunday. And another game that was just never really that close. You take a look at halftime, it's 24-10. to and they ran away with it another 17 points after that. And this is another like outcome I didn't really see coming. Like the Bengals were kind of like the darling like two weeks ago. And then 
they lose a couple games in a row and you go from first in the AFC to last in the AFC North. I mean, that's just how tight this race is. And really, the, this game, I mean, it was a name, another one of those uh, name of the game is this, this turnover battle here. I mean, when you go minus three in the turnover battle for the Bengals, you're going you're gonna to lose games by quite a significant margin here. And you're going to be playing from behind most of the time. And I believe one of them was a pick six to Denzel Ward, where he runs the length of the field in the red zone. So you go from putting points on the board yourself to almost like a 14-point swing where now you're giving them the other team seven. So those are just really tough things to, to overcome. And they got, I believe Nick Chubb was back for the second week in a row here, and he looked a lot better this week, 140 yards and two tutties. And Baker Mayfield was efficient, 220 yards, two touchdowns. So you didn't really have any mistakes on that side of the ball. They're kind of really able to take advantage of the Cincinnati defense, which has actually been one of the better units in the NFL. And their defense is very stout. They were able to get after Joe Burrow, as pretty much everybody has been this year. And Jamar Chase had a couple of uh, costly drops. So I think that they can both write the, or the Bengals can write the ship and still get the playoff picture. But the Browns are kind of starting to take control here. And I would imagine that if even if they have a tough, uh, tough goal in the next few weeks, that they're a great football team. And great football teams find ways to win whether it's by 25 points like here or if it's just by a touchdown like most games are. I think the Browns are going to be able to show it out. So another great outcome last week that not many were expecting. actually went against what I was thinking. So actually, no, I, I picked the Browns, my bad. So it didn't go against what I was thinking, but it's still it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive win for them. And the last game that I really wanted to get into here was going to be the Jaguars versus the Bills. So the last storyline is the Jaguars-Bills. And really, what I'm thinking about here is I call this a multiple-score win for the Buffalo Bills. Like, I was thinking that this is going to be very easy for them. And it turns out I could not have been more wrong. So you take a look at this game on the surface, and the Jaguars only had 218 yards of offense compared to 301 by the Bills. And... They just dominate them passing and run the ball, the Bills did. When you take a look at it, another one where it's, it's turnovers are the name of the game here. Uh, Buffalo Bills were minus two compared to the Jaguars being plus one, and they basically split the time of possession. So Josh Allen had a really tough game in this one, and most of you are going to be like, huh, huh, which Josh Allen? We're going to say Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills had a really tough goal of it this week. He ended up 264 yards and two picks and had 50 yards rushing. And I believe he had a fumble lost in this one as well, too. So, yeah, there was a fumble lost. So it it's a tough goal of it because Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars was just harassing him all day. I believe he had, like, a pick. He had a fumble and a fumble recovery. And then he had a sack, and it was just it was an all-out domination by this Jacksonville Jaguars defense that I didn't see this coming from. I mean, when you take a look at their key key pieces on that side of the ball, are you talking like Miles Jack and uh, Josh Allen? And I mean, that's about it. Like I don't, I didn't really see this kind of team coming back. And I, what was it? There was some stat that was thrown out there that this is their first win in 420 days in the continental U- U.S. because. The last one that they had was over in England. So, 
I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that this is just uh, a blip on the radar for the Bills. But, I mean, there's been a couple of these in a row where it just doesn't quite make sense. But, I mean, they're still, I believe, 5-3. and three. So, I mean, they're still one of the top teams in the AFC. It's very competitive there. Uh, they they got to start pulling away from the pack here eventually to really be that one seed in the AFC. I mean, it's still up for grabs. It changes every week. But I think this is more of a testament to the Jacksonville Jaguars than it is the Buffalo Bills. Like, I didn't think this team had this kind of dog in them to really hang with a team like this and win a, a close-fought battle, but they really did. And who knows, maybe Urban's finally getting through to these guys. So, big win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's going to be it for our storylines. We're going to throw this right over into our uh, Unlikely Hero of the Week. This week's Unlikely Hero of the Week is going to be, and honestly, I wanted to kind of go over a route here where we're not just taking a quarterback from a team that wins that you weren't expecting. I kind of want to like spread the wealth here. So when I was taking a look at all the games this week, there was one stat line that really stood out for me. And it's going to come from the Arizona Cardinals-San Francisco 49ers game. So there was a ton of starters out in this one, which included uh, Chase Edmonds, who went out early. And this is where our guy's going to come in. Is It's going to be James Conner. And James Conner, honestly, wouldn't have been an unlikely hero of the week, you know, two, three years ago in Pittsburgh when he was kind of running the show there and he was kind of taking over for Lev Bell and putting up some big numbers. But he falls out of favor in Pittsburgh, comes here. He's the backup to Chase Edmonds. He's split in time. And really, he has almost no help in, in a game where everybody thought it was going to be a lot tighter and that the Arizona Cardinals really wouldn't dominate. And the Arizona Cardinals dominated, and he was a big part of it, why they did. He ended up with 96 yards rushing on 21 carries and two touchdowns, and he added 77 yards receiving in through the air for a touchdown. So this is this looked like the James Conner of old from Pittsburgh in like 2017. And when we're talking about that, you're turning back the clocks five years. That's like that's like 35 years in running back years. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's more the reason why this is unlikely. Is not a lot of people seeing this coming from James Conner. This isn't what they expected from him at this point in his career. And really, he was one of the main reasons that the Cardinals won this game. He was like a safety blanket for uh, Colt McCoy. And he was running hard for an offense that was lacking playmakers elsewhere. So really, I was a huge fan of this, and then really that's what he's going to get on the board for me here as an unlikely hero of the week, really helping the Cardinals kind of catapult themselves back into that number one spot after the Packers lost, and really making a name for himself here. So the Jameis Winston unlikely hero of the week, going to James Conner this week. So for up next, we're going to be looking ahead to week 10 here, and in just reviewing our picks from last week, I did have it wrong in the first segment. We ended up going with the Cincinnati Bengals over the Browns. So that loss ended up putting us at 8-6 and six last week. So we're just over 500. So we're still doing all right there. But hopefully we can do a little bit better and improve on that this year. And don't worry, we're keeping track of the records each week. I'll make sure I, I share with everybody going into the last season. Or excuse me, the last week of the season. So this Thursday night game to lead off everything is going to be the Baltimore Ravens at the Miami Dolphins. And... Miami Dolphins get a tough win uh, this past week, and so do Baltimore Ravens, another come-from-behind win where Lamar Jackson just looks invincible. 
And I think that's really just where this matchup starts is who's going to stop Lamar Jackson on this defense. And I, the answer is I don't know. I, I don't have a clue. Uh, are you going to pull a safety in the box and try to spy him with him? Are you going to try to spy? You don't really have a, exactly the most athletic linebacker other than maybe Jerome Baker, but if he's healthy and I mean, that's, that's really about it. I don't know who you, who you stop him with. I don't think there's many people in the league that can stop him. So I'm rolling with the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night over to Miami Dolphins. And the first game from Sunday is going to be the New Orleans Saints at the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans are really on a roll, uh, especially getting a win last week without Derrick Henry and the New Orleans Saints kind of looked in, in disarray losing to the Atlanta Falcons last week. A team that they, sh- in my opinion, should have handled, but I ended up picking the Falcons over uh, the Saints, so that's why it worked out in my favor. But just taking a look at the outcome of this game, I, I think it's going to be the Tennessee, te- or excuse me, the New Orleans Saints, who end up getting the win here. And I just think it's it's going to be a get right game for them. I think that they're going to be more ready on the defensive side of the ball, and I just think that the success that Tennessee saw on defense isn't really sustainable moving forward. Uh, I think it's going to be much more tough sledding for them. And I don't know if they can keep that pass rush going and keep the success on the back end that they had last week. So New Orleans Saints over the Tennessee Titans, which brings us to a divisional showdown. And it's going to be the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. And really the name of the game in this one is I think we're going to see a huge game by the Buffalo Bills. I think they kind of got embarrassed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's kind of time for them to show everybody what they're made of and show why they're one of the best teams in the AFC. And I think it's going to be the unfortunate series of events that it happens to be the New York Jets here, uh, especially with their quarterback situation and their offensive line situation and really just their overall talent as a team going against the Buffalo Bills. I know I said it last week, but I'm going to roll with it again. It's going to be a multiple-score win for the Buffalo Bills. Then that takes us to the Detroit Lions at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers had a had a rough game on Monday Night Football with a tough call that really ended up affecting the game and giving them the win, setting up a nice game-winning field goal. And I think Chicago's a lot better than Detroit, so I don't really foresee that happening again here. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to roll. They're going to shut down that offense. There's just not many weapons outside of, say, DeAndre Swift that can really threaten the Steelers. So I think the Steelers are going to stifle the Lions and get a big win. So Pittsburgh Steelers over to Detroit Lions, which takes us into the next matchup, and it's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. And I know Trevor Lawrence got nicked up in this game. I don't remember if he returned or not. But nonetheless, that's something to keep a close eye monitoring. And really, when I'm taking a look at this, I think it's more about what the Colts are doing than necessarily what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. I think the Colts really have established who they are now. They're really getting after that run game. Jonathan Taylor really setting the tone as a as a receiver and a runner, mainly a runner. And it's really taking a lot of pressure off Carson Wentz. So... I'm going to roll with Indianapolis Colts at home over the Jacksonville Jaguars here just because I think that they just are more talented on both sides of the ball and they have just a more stable offense that's going to be able to move the chains consistently compared to the Jacksonville Jaguars who won't necessarily be able to do that. 
which takes us into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. And when I'm when I'm looking at this game, it's another one of them ones where on paper it's going to be a beatdown and it's going to be the Buccaneers win big over the Washington football team. I just can't see on either side of the ball how the Buccaneers are going to win this matchup. They they're going against one of the the toughest run defenses in the league. I know they're a little susceptible in the secondary, but I mean that's that's kind of where the the football team is susceptible to is is they don't have a quarterback that's able to take advantage of those things. And on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know how this secondary can match up with Tom Brady and his his weapons on offense, even if Antonio Brown's out. So Buccaneers over to Washington football team. Which is going to lead us into one of the better games of the week here. It's going to be the Cleveland Browns at the New England Patriots. And this is going to be a really great matchup on paper because you're looking at the strength of the strength. And the Patriots have a great defense that are going to limit opportunities. And the Cleveland Browns have a really dominant run game that's going to try to control the game and keep their offense off the field. In there, I mean New England Patriots. So... I think it comes down to quarterback play in this one. It's going to be, can Mac Jones limit turnovers? Can he attack the Cleveland Browns defense enough to really keep them on the field and keep them scoring points? Or is it going to be Baker Mayfield that we see last week that's efficient and help able to help manage the game and keep their offense on the field and keep the New England Patriots off? So I'm going to roll with the Cleveland Browns in this one. Uh, I know the... The Patriots had a little bit of a couple running backs get nicked up with some head injuries last week. And I think that's going to be a huge blow if Brandon Bolden has to lead that backfield instead of Damien Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. So I think the Cleveland Browns are finally getting right. I think that they're going to really establish themselves as a power in the AFC here. And I think it starts this week against the New England Patriots, which takes us into the next game. It's going to be the Atlanta Falcons at the Dallas Cowboys. And... In this one, it's going to be kind of a low-key, one of those games that a lot of people might want to be watching. And I think the main matchup here is going to be this Atlanta defense, which in my opinion is not very good, going against this Dallas Cowboys offense, which is high-flying when Dak's playing great. If Dak looks hurt, this is going to be a long night because they ain't going to be able to take advantage of this offense or this defense. But if Dak's healthy and he's loose and he's ready to play the game, Dallas wins, and in my opinion, it's going to be by multiple scores here. So I'm rolling Dallas Cowboys over the Atlanta Falcons. I'm betting on Dak being healthy. They're not going to roll him out there if he's not. With the next matchup, it's going to be the Carolina Panthers at the Arizona Cardinals. And in this one, it's a tale of two tapes. It's a tale of one team that came out screaming red hot and has really fallen off in the last three or four weeks versus a team that's been started off red hot and has continued being red hot. And honestly, I don't really think it matters if Kyler Murray plays in this one or not just because of how good Colt McCoy in this run game was last week. So I'm going to roll with the Arizona Cardinals. I think that they were for real. I think uh, they showed that they can win with e- without even some of their best players. So I think it's going to be the name of the game again here, and they're going to get another tough one against the Carolina Panthers if all those starters sit out again. Cardinals over to Panthers. Which brings the next game. It's going to be the Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Chargers. And 
the Minnesota Vikings have really had some tough sledding. I think I read something that Kirk Cousins is like the first quarterback that has been 15 touchdown passes and like three interceptions through eight games, but has lost three of those games or something like that. And I mean, those are like Aaron Rodgers numbers where you're scoring a ton of touchdowns and not throwing or not creating turnovers, but they just can't win football games. And I, I, I'm not sure where they start. I think it's got to do with that defense. I think that defense has looked really rough. It's really looked like a sieve giving up pretty much just about anything. But I think the Chargers are going to get this one. Uh, they got home field advantage, but we all know that home field advantage really doesn't say much about pretty much any team when they come to play the Chargers. But I, I just think the Chargers are a better football team. I really like, I, I know it doesn't really show in the stat column, but I really think that they look a lot better on defense than this Minnesota Vikings team, especially when Minnesota Vikings are playing without like Harrison Smith. I just think that they have an opportunity to to limit more big plays, keep everything in front of them, and be a little bit better in the run in the run game as well too, with their front seven. So I'm rolling Chargers over the Vikings, which takes us into the Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be at Lambeau. It sounds like Russell Wilson's going to play in this one, and I'm going to just lead this off here now. I picked the Green Bay Packers last week mainly because I thought Aaron Rodgers was playing. And now this huge COVID news comes out. And if Rodgers is going to play this week, I'm taking the Green Bay Packers because he's going to absolutely dominate that Seattle defense. And if he doesn't play, I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks. So I'll make sure that I, I monitor the situation and I'll put it out there on Twitter once once we get a little bit closer to Sunday because it sounds like Aaron Rodgers won't know if he can play till Saturday. But... I'm taking the Green Bay Packers if Rodgers plays. If he doesn't play, I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks because I just think that's such a key matchup with how bad that Seattle defense is. And I really think that Russell Wilson moves the line that much, but not as much as Aaron Rodgers does. Which takes us into the next game. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles at the Denver Broncos. And really, when I'm taking a look at it, this might be the contender for the most unwatchable game this week. There wasn't many, and really it's not that this one's a really a bad one. It's just that I don't really see any other opportunity on the slate. And it's going to be the Philadelphia team that had a tough loss at Los Angeles but still looked decent. And it's going to be the Denver Broncos at home that had a huge win against the Cowboys. And I kind of think it was, it was fool's gold. I kind of think it was they looked – they caught the Cowboys on a bad week and – they got a win. I mean, a win's a win, so you can't really say it's a bad win. But it just, I don't think it, the win was sustainable. Uh, they might be able to keep it sustainable here against the Eagles just because of how bad the Eagles are. And I still think that this defense is really elite, even without Von Miller. I think Jonathan Cooper stepped up in his absence now that he's out of town and had a couple sacks last week. So I still think that this is a dominant defense, especially in the secondary so that's why I'm going to take the Broncos over the Eagles. I also like their run game a lot better than the Eagles. And just their offense is more balanced than the Eagles, whereas it's pretty much just kind of Jalen Hurts run around and, and, and do what they can. So Broncos over the Eagles, which takes us into the Sunday night game, and it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. And 
the Kansas City defense looked legit. I know it was against a, a rookie quarterback, or I shouldn't say a rookie, a first-time starter in Jordan Love. But, I mean, it looked like they had fixed a lot of the issues. They basically just harassed him in the entire night, which I don't know if they're going to be able to do against Derek Carr as much. I know they used a lot of, like, five, six, seven-man pressures and really kind of put a stress on the secondary in the background, which I don't think you're going to be able to get that out of Derek Carr at this point in his career. So I, I wouldn't bank on that. But I think this is going to be two high-flying offenses uh, showing down. Uh, the, the Raiders signed Deshaun Jackson after he cleared waivers this past week. So they should get him on the field, help be that field stretcher now that Henry Ruggs is out of town. And I think I am going to go with the home team here. I'm going to go with the Raiders. I think that the Raiders are going to be able to give them their best game. I think that they're they're shipping a lot of these these bad attitude guys out of town. And they're, they're going to get right. You know, I'm, hopefully I'm not wrong for the second week on the row on the Raiders. But I just I still have some serious concerns about this Kansas City offense and its sustainability, and really this defense. I think it was it was kind of fool's gold last week going against a first year starter. So, I think the and it, it also helps that the Raiders play the char the Chiefs extremely tough year in and year out, even when they're not a good football team. So I'm going Raiders over the Chiefs, which leads us into the Monday night game. It's going to be the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. And don't look now, but it kind of looks like Kyle Shanahan's playing for his job at this point, or coaching for his job. Where you see a team that really has kind of no-showed the last couple weeks, and it's kind of been getting beat down and against teams. I, I won't even say of lesser, because the last couple ones, they were against tough ones. But when you've only won a few football games this year, and your first-round pick hasn't really seen the field at all, mainly because just he's, he's not ready, um, I don't know. Maybe he's not on the hot seat. Maybe him and Lynch are that tight, and they just are going to give him a year until they can get Trey Lance up to speed. But it, it, it's it's starting to get harder and harder to argue in his favor. So I don't think it's going to change this week either. I just think that this Rams team is they're way too good. Uh, you get Von Miller on a defense that already has Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and that's going to make things even harder. And on offense. There's rumors that Odell Beckham's going to join this receiving core that's already sporting Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Van Jefferson. I, 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 I have my doubts about how sustainable that is. But I mean, regardless, that there's no lying that this is a top five team on both sides of the ball, which is why I'm going to take the Rams this week on Monday night. So that's going to be our picks this week. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your picks. As always, I'm probably going to throw together a parlay and try to get some of these to hit for me, and hopefully we can get back to one of those double-digit wins, one double-digit win weeks where we're really dominating our picks. So that's going to be it for our picks. We're going to lead right into the next segment. So as promised, we're going to be rolling through our mid-season mock draft. Where basically we're going to do the entire first round of mock draft picks for guys that are going to be in the 2022 NFL draft this next spring. So we're going to be using college prospects. Obviously some of these might not be draft eligible once we get there in the spring. But this is our mock draft as of today. 
And a caveat here also is going to be, it's what we would do, not necessarily what these teams are going to do, what we think is going to happen. This is what I think is going to happen. And also, our draft order is going to be the first 18 picks. It's going to be the reverse standings. Uh, I've seen a lot of these out there as of recently. I believe PFF throws them out there every now and then, NFL.com. This particular one is the one that NFL.com had thrown out there. So, courtesy of the... (laughs) the National Football League's website themselves. It's going to be picks 1 through 18. Then after that, we're going to do the playoff teams as they currently stand as of their Super Bowl odds. So I'll let you know once we get there, uh, when, when that's starting. But right off the bat, we're getting pick number 1. And on the clock is going to be the Detroit Lions. So the Detroit Lions currently winless. And uh, struggling on both sides of the ball to, just to even get a win put on the board there. They've come close a couple of times, but just can't quite seem to close them out. They're doing a good job of competing and staying in football games, but really it's just the top-level talent's not quite there on this team. I think that they shouldn't try to rush and shoehorn a quarterback in here uh, just because none of them have really lived up to that first pick hype that we were expecting this last spring. So the pick I went with is Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. And he's really taken that next leap that we were hoping he was going to take. So he was just this twitchy, really big-time speed rusher uh, coming into the season. And everybody really wanted to see him round out his game and become a real dominant pass rusher and real dominant run defender. And he's done just that. He's lived up to the expectations. He's as advertised. And he's definitely worthy of the number one overall pick at a premium position. So number one pick, Kayvon Thibodeau, Oregon. Which leads us right into the second overall selection. And the second overall selection is going to be the Houston Texans. So the Houston Texans also struggling this year. The whole Deshaun Watson fiasco has really derailed their season almost completely. Uh, They have a lot of question marks on both sides of the ball as well. And same thing here is I'm not quite sure if they're going to try to run it back with the same coach and David Culley. I find it hard to believe you'd want to move on from a coach after only one season. But here we are. We're we're, we're still having this discussion. And really the same thing applies here is I don't know if I would take any of these quarterbacks with the second overall pick. I have a first-round grade on a couple of guys, but I'm not really in the top five really trying to sniff around that that decision here. Houston definitely warrants it, uh, but at the same time, you used your first pick last year on a quarterback as well, so I just can't defend the selection here. I went with DeMarvin Leal, and uh, I've been saying his name wrong apparently the last six months as in Leal. It's Leal. But I really like DeMarvin Leal's game. I think he's a very dominant defensive lineman. And for his size, you can play him interior. He's like 6'3", 290. But he's super twitchy where they they even get him off off the edge every now and then. So if you could trim him up a little bit, get him a little bit more explosive, you could play him across the front. It's no question. And I don't want to compare him to Aaron Donald because it's almost it should be illegal to compare people to Aaron Donald. But he, he's in that same mold. You can play him in just about every position. Just he's got a long way to go before he's that. But he's definitely worth a second overall selection. And he's one of my favorite players in the upcoming draft. The third overall selection is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles via the Miami Dolphins. And the Philadelphia Eagles kind of made out like banshees in a 
this year's draft, get netting three first-round picks, especially with two of them being super high here. And the third one, via Miami, is completely tanked out thanks to them. But uh, that, that's a discussion for a different time. The Philadelphia Eagles, on offense, they've shown some life with Devonta Smith. And uh, Jalen Hurts has looked competent at times. And I'm just going to echo what I said the first two picks, is I don't know if I'd take a quarterback at this range. And really, Jalen Hurts, as of late, hasn't looked terrible, in my opinion. He's looked competent. I think you can surround him with talent just to see if you can get more out of it and maybe kick the can down the road a little bit here. So, with the number three overall selection, I'm sending Derek Stingley, cornerback out of LSU, to the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles. And I just think Stingley is a next-level talent. I think he is going to be an absolutely phenomenal cover corner. He can play zone. He can play press man. He's even shown some ability, I believe, as a returner. Like, th- this this dude can do it all. He's as advertised. And he's been on the scene for three years now, doing it in the SEC at the top level of competition. So Derek Stingley, number three to the Philadelphia Eagles. Coming in at number four is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jacksonville Jaguars actually get a huge win this last week at the Buffalo Bills. Nobody's seen coming. Uh really impressive i (laughs) counted them out i thought they're gonna be multiple score underdogs turns out they end up getting a sneaky good win here so when we take a look at this team quarterback obviously is under under handle with trevor lawrence we don't even need to talk about going that route there and i kind of like the the set of playmakers they got on offense at the moment i don't think that's necessarily something that they need to sniff around too much, especially with ETN even being out, you'll get him back next year to add some depth back there. But really, uh, offensive line, uh, you you could see them go there with Cam Robinson leaving. He's currently a franchise take player this year, going to be unrestricted if they don't do it again this year. Or I think we, we, we should steer our direction here to the defensive side of the ball. Josh Allen looked super good, looked like the top 10 pick that he was uh worth the top 10 pick they spent on him so I'm going to lean more to the secondary here and I'm going to go Kyle Hamilton Kyle Hamilton might end up being the best player of this entire draft this guy when you talk about a do-it-all utility safety you ain't lying with him he's one of the best defensive prospects possibly of the last five to ten years just with his versatility alone you want to play him deep half and have him cover up the, the field like a center fielder perfect he can do it you wanted the man up on tight ends? Perfect. He can do it. You want to drop him in the box? Great. He can be physical. He can literally do whatever you want. And I think that's going to be huge for this defense. And it's a, it's going to be another key piece at safety for him. So Kyle Hamilton to the Jacksonville Jaguars at four. Bringing up the number five pick. And it's going to be the New York Jets. And the New York Jets. You can almost shoehorn this pick as one of the favorite picks in the entire draft from now until the end of April, and it's going to be Evan Neal to the New York Jets. I'm not even going to lead up the suspense here. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about how Zach Wilson has been really under duress this year and how they really haven't been able to build up the situation around him. Evan Neal is going to be able to help support that. There's a lot of questions about him switching from right to the left side, and with his size, if he'd be able to move, he's lived up to the part. He's the complete package as a left tackle. He doesn't have a lot of questions, and he's undoubtedly, at this moment in time, the the best one in the draft. So let's get a blindside protector. 
If not, we can flip them back to the right side. I know they got Makai Becton there already. You're going to have just huge mammoths there on the edges protecting Zach Wilson, and that's going to be what he's needed to keep him upright. Coming in at number six in this mock draft is going to be the Washington football team. And I said it before that there wasn't a quarterback worth taking in the top five. And really, the, the first quarterback on our big board, I believe, is just outside of the top ten, maybe just inside the top ten. But either way, uh, I'm going to pull the trigger here with the Washington football team on a quarterback, and I'm going to go with Sam Howell, quarterback out of UNC. And I know Sam Howell hasn't been as good as everybody thought he was going to be, and I'd be the first one to say that. He's still QB1 on my board. I just I love his what, what came out this year was his competitive spirit. You watch this guy when he runs the ball, he's looking to get the extra yardage, and he's looking like he wants to win every single football game every single week. And this week at Wake Forest was no different. The first, or the, excuse me, the second touchdown, I believe, of the game was him where he runs over a safety and clocks it in for six. And they end up winning that football game. It was an absolute shootout, like 58 to 55. So this is a dude that's going to want to win all the time. And when I look at this Washington roster, I, I kept looking at like where the, the talent is in this draft. And it, it doesn't really add up with where they need it. And I know there's a couple corners on the board we could have maybe went with. It's a little bit rich for my taste here at this moment. So was quarterback. But I think quarterback is just a glaring need on this team. Taylor Heineke's not the answer. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the long-term answer. So even if you do bring Fitzpatrick back, that's fine. Bring him for a year. Let Sam Howell sit and learn. Uh, he's been running this RPO quick read system for a couple years, so it might take him a couple years to get up to speed on his, his processing ability. But all the physical tools are there. He's really – it's been impressive what he's done as a, a rusher this year as a, a collegiate quarterback. But he's still got the arm. He's still got – the, excuse me, the torque on the ball that he's got that he can just launch one down the field and his deep throw accuracy is still there. He just hasn't had the, the help around him here at UNC to really make it go. And I thought a lot, I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be able to kind of shoulder the load and just lead this team to propel them to like national title contenders. And he's proven that he's not quite that guy. But I still think when you look at what they got in their offense with Terry McLaurin. Uh, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas. I think that's enough for him. I think that's good enough. So I'm going to go with Sam Howell, pick number six to the Washington football team. Which leads us right into the number seventh pick, and it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I said, they got a couple of premium picks in this draft, which has been really impressive by their their management to kind of recognize the, the rebuild and really try to kickstart this. And don't be surprised if they try to package these for a quarterback, so we may be having a completely different conversation by the end of the year but in this situation they they're currently holding the seventh pick and with the seventh pick I got them taking Aiden Hutchinson and Aiden Hutchinson was a guy that I didn't really watch a lot of tape on in the preseason so when I seen his name start popping up all over the place I was really interested to kind of see what he was about and he is he's as advertised like this this dude is legit like he's helping anchor that Michigan defense and making them look really solid and I don't really know who I want to compare him to yet, but he's just so good with his hands. He's so good off the ball. You can stand him up. You can put his hand in the dirt. And he's just as good at both of them. I don't think he's quite to the level as Kayvon Thibodeau. That's why Kayvon's going number one here. But Aiden Hutchinson is definitely worth the top ten pick. 
in my opinion. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles, with how they like to rotate their D linemen and how some of them guys are getting a little bit on the older side, like Brandon Graham, I think they can use a guy like this. So Aiden Hutchinson to the Philadelphia Eagles. With the number eight pick in the mock draft here, it's going to be the New York Giants via the Chicago Bears. So they made the trade last year to get Justin Fields. They gave up a first-rounder this year. Ends up being the eighth selection. And the Giants were one of the most difficult teams to pick for because I have no clue what this front office is going to do. Necessarily because I don't know if Dave Gettleman is going to be the one calling the shots next year. I think Joe Judge will still be there, but I don't know if Joe Judge is going to be there. And I really think that the entire idea of Daniel Jones being the guy is contingent on one, if not two of them guys being there. So I proceeded with the thinking that Gettleman is no longer going to be the GM of this football team, but Joe Judge is going to be the head coach. So I went with George Karlaftis, the edge defender out of Purdue. And this is it's a little bit of a reach, but when we look at where the talent is, currently in the draft. There's a ton of corners on the board here that be worth this selection. I got a couple of receivers I'd be okay making a selection here. Those are both strength positions for the Giants at this moment. Like James Bradbury is still a really good cover corner and Adore Jackson they just signed is, is not a bad cover corner and wide receiver they just spend big money on Kenny Galladay. I think Sterling Shepard's up after this year but you just drafted Kadarius Toney and you still have Darius Slayton as well too which I believe his deal's up. So I can't see them making a move to get another playmaker there when there's needs elsewhere. And I think one of the needs that they could get here, and I like George Karlaftis' ability to really play with his hand in the dirt, but also be able to be a stand-up guy, which I could see them using him more of like a stand-up 3-4 kind of role here for him. And I think he'll be really able to compliment uh, Lorenzo Carter and Aziz Ojolardi that's already that's already in house here and you can move him throughout the formation he's versatile and I really like that what he could possibly bring to this defense as you see a lot of these teams going to these multiple fronts so George Karlaftis pick eight to the New York Giants and coincidentally the New York Giants also hold the ninth pick so with the ninth pick they're going to get back to back here I got them going Jordan Davis and a lot of people might have them taking a quarterback. I think that Daniel Jones can buy himself another year as long as Joe Judge is still the head coach. I believe it'll be his fourth year, so he'll have to make a decision this offseason on his fifth-year option. But regardless, you're going to have him for at least the duration of his rookie deal. And I think that they're going to give him one more year here, and they might be able to get a bridge guy behind him. And that's really where I thought about going here. But I decided to lean back the other way. I'm going to try to supplement this defense that hasn't looked as good it hasn't done as great as we thought it was going to be this year and I went Jordan Davis out of Georgia defensive lineman and really in the preseason when I watched Jordan Davis I kind of thought he was like a two down guy like run stopping uh explosive with his hands in the middle and he's really just completely outlived my expectations of him as a defensive lineman the dude can do it all he's got a motor uh he's obviously not quick he's a, he's a 330 pound dude but like he's able to move and, and like affect passing lanes and get sacks and I really think that that plays well if he's going to be able to help collapse pockets at the next level him playing next to Leonard Williams and 
excuse me, <laughs> Aziz Ojolari and all these other pass rushers they got in this defense, it's going to be scary. And Dexter Lawrence, it's going to be very scary for teams. So that's why I went Jordan Davis here at number nine. With the 10th overall pick in the mock draft here, it's going to be the Miami Dolphins via the San Francisco 49ers. And they did the swap last year. They ended up trading up and then trading, or excuse me, trading way up, trading back. It was a whole, or excuse me, trading twice and lost a first round pick. And it was theirs. But they ended up retaining the 49ers selection. So I apologize there for the, the confusion. But with the 10th overall selection with the Miami Dolphins, I didn't, they might not be making this pick if they go get Deshaun Watson. We'll see how that saga plays out this offseason as the trade deadlines have passed us here. But for now, they hold the selection. And if I'm making this selection, I'm taking a look. And I really, I was really disappointed by the Miami Dolphins. I thought that they were going to be a great football team this year. And I really thought that this defense was going to be elite. This defense isn't bad. Uh, They still take the ball away pretty well. They got some great corners under contract still. And they selected Jalen Phillips in last year's draft. And I really like that pick. But when I'm looking at this team now, I think it's got to be dynamic offensive talent. And they brought in Will Fuller, who has been oft injured and continued that in his Miami stint. And he's leaving home, or excuse me, leaving house after this year. And they drafted Jalen Waddell. And I believe Devontae Parker is unrestricted after this year. So you're going to see a lot different, a lot different offense after this year. And I don't see a running back that's worth taking in the top 10, let alone the first round at all. So when I made this selection, I made it with the idea that we're going to try to get playmakers around Tua because that's the current situation and make his situation better. And the number one wide receiver on my board is where we're going to go here, and I'm going to go Chris Olave to the Miami Dolphins. And this is the exact talent I think that they need to complement Jalen Waddell. My comp for Chris Olave at this point in time is Devontae Smith. He's a little bit bigger Devontae Smith. They play so similarly from college. They play at just this extremely high level, winning with their road, winning down the field, winning at all levels, and they have just very solid hands. I, I think he made a great decision going back to school and really launched himself into this wide receiver one territory, and I would love the Miami Dolphins to pair him with Jalen Waddle, the huge speed threat and yak guy in their offense and really see what they can open up for Tua at this point in time and basically really take this offense to another level. So Chris Olave, number 10 to the Miami Dolphins. With the 11th selection in the draft here, our mock draft, it's going to be the New York Jets via the Seattle Seahawks. And the New York Jets ended up getting this pick via the Jamal Adams trade. They netted up to a couple first-round picks. And for this one here, I'm going to have them selecting Kair Elam, cornerback out of Florida. And honestly, my number two quarterback, uh, uh, to be transparent here, is going to be Ahmad Gardner at this moment. But I just like how Elam fits the the solid defense. He's kind of like that Richard Sherman mold where he's super lanky, but like he can man up and play in your face, but he can also play off. You can play him in zone. I think that matches up well with what Sal is looking for. So that's why I went Kyer Elam here at number 11. And I just think that they have a huge hole. Bryce Hall's looked really good at corner for them this year. But still, they have nobody else to play that opposite side. Let's let's lock it down. Let's get them some help here. And they already took some offensive line help, so why not go this route? 
which leads us to our 12th selection. And our 12th selection here is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. And I have the Minnesota Vikings. This is an extremely difficult pick because a lot of times Minnesota Vikings were tabbed to be a much higher, much higher selection in this draft. Um, apologize, I'm trying to figure out 10. This is the 12th selection. That's my fault. I apologize. That's my fault. Not 13. It's 12. So Minnesota Vikings at 12. A lot of people had the Vikings finishing much higher than this. So that's why it's difficult because a lot of people think that this is a rounded out roster. So I didn't know exactly where to go. But when I did a real hard look at this situation and who was on the board, I don't think the Vikings are going to get a chance like this for a long time. And I don't know who's going to be the coach here. I'm guessing it's probably not going to be Mike Zimmer next year. They're going to want to bring their guy in. And what better time to do it when you have the ultimate bridge and Kirk Cousins on his last year of his deal. So I went Malik Willis. They're going to get a talent in Minnesota here that they haven't had in a really long time. The running ability you're going to get from Malik Willis to pair with his passing ability is going to be really intriguing in what you could do with this offense once he gets up to speed. So I like Malik Willis going here. He gets a year to sit behind Kirk Cousins and really gets gets to be the guy in that second year. And you can pair him with some of that young talent, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, and hopefully not have a huge rebuilding gap. So number 12, Minnesota Vikings, Malik Willis. Which brings us into the 13th selection. It's going to be the Carolina Panthers. And the way the Panthers started out this season, you wouldn't think that they'd be picking 13th overall. You'd think they'd be maybe in the 20s range making the playoffs. But they kind of really faltered down the stretch here. And the same thing I did here was when I, I really look at this roster as a whole, I, I didn't know where to go with it. Offensive line could be a possible selection here. But based on my board, I just don't have a guy that I'm really comfortable taking that's going to be able to kind of plug and play at one of those tackle spots or maybe even a guard. So where I went with this selection was Matt Corral, quarterback out of Ole Miss. And I think as the weeks go by, a lot of people are questioning as to why Sam Darnold was brought in to be the guy in this offense. And I think that it's clear that he's not the long-term option in town. And if they're going to they're gonna strike out of the Deshaun Watson stakes, why not go get a guy like Corral that can maybe sit for a year behind Darnold because they obviously picked up his fifth-year option. And he can kind of act as the bridge and let, get uh, Matt Corral up to speed, get him ready to play, because I don't think he's by any means a first-round uh, finished product. I think you can really help him out here, really bring him up to speed, because he's got kind of the same issue as uh, Sam Howell had, where he's playing in this Lane Kiffin-style offense that's really manufacturing all these reads for you, making them really easy. So get him up to speed on his processing and get him in that offense and really see what this Carolina Panthers can do with a – a top-level rookie quarterback in a year or two. So Matt Corral to the Carolina Panthers at 13. With the 14th overall selection, it's the Philadelphia Eagles via the Indianapolis Colts and the Carson Wentz trade. So this is assuming that Carson Wentz plays enough snaps to make this a first-round pick. And at this moment in time, I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to play 75% of the snaps, I think, is the number. So that would turn it into a first-rounder. Unless he gets... uh, catastrophic injury here in the next couple weeks that really shuts him down I don't foresee that happening so Philadelphia Eagles nonetheless 
I acted on this exercise with the thought process of Jalen Hurts continuing to be the quarterback, so I'm going to continue down that road here. And we've already given them an elite cover corner and an elite pass rusher. So I really like what we've done on that side of the defense. So let's flip back to the offense here, and let's give someone for Jalen Hurts to really help stack this offense. Because when I look at their offense, outside of maybe Devonta Smith, like, who are you relying on as, like, their secondary target? And the answer might be Jalen Rager, which I I don't know about you. I I don't feel that comfortable with Jalen Rager being the number two option in my offense. So I went with Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. We're going to keep the the Pennsylvania guy in state here. And I I really liked Jahan Dotson. I have like a top 10 grade on this guy. I was just trying to be a little bit realistic here as to where he's most likely going to land. But he's like my favorite wide receiver in this draft. Uh, I think Chris Olave has got the edge just a little bit. But he's my favorite dude to watch in this draft that plays wide receiver. I remember turning on his tape this preseason, and I'm like, how is this guy not being talked about more? So every chance I get to break him up, I'm doing it. Because this dude is otherworldly. For a dude that's 5'11 and like 190 pounds, he separates so easily. And he's always wide open. And he had some really spectacular catches last year, namely the Ohio State game. And he's really continued it this year. Like, he's brought it to a whole other level. I've seen a couple concentration drops last year that kind of had raised some red flags for me. But when I'm watching the tape this year, those are gone. This is a guy that's making the most of his opportunities, and he's really able to stretch the field. And he can be the intermediate guy. He can stretch the field. He can he can take a screen to the house. Like I I love his ability as a playmaker and his his yards after the catch ability and just the way when he moves when he has the ball. I just he's one of my favorite guys to watch and I think the Eagles are getting a steal here at six or excuse me at fourteen. At number fifteen, it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals they are at one point the number one seed in the AFC and they end up like a week or two later now and they're the last place in the AFC North picking at 15 so life kind of comes at you fast but I think we all know the name of the game here and really we're, we're going to see some difficulties for this team is going to be on the offensive line we got to be able to keep Joe Burrow upright there's been some times this season where he's really been harassed and under some serious duress and I think that it needs to be addressed and when I take a look at who's on the board I don't know if it's going to be necessarily a tackle, but I like Tyler Linderbaum here. So I'm going to go Tyler Linderbaum to the Cincinnati Bengals. And Linderbaum is the best interior lineman in college football these days. He's slightly undersized. I believe he plays at like 290, 295. But he's still like 6'3". So if you can get his weight up, that'd be perfect. But he's still extremely scrappy. And being a little bit on the lighter side has allowed him to get up to the second level pretty easily and pick off linebackers at a pretty good rate. So when you take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals roster, they currently have a center under contract with Trey Hill uh, backing them up as well too. But I think you can uh, really move, make Trey Hill a little bit flexible, especially getting a talent like Linderbaum in the house. So I think that this is a, a move that you definitely got to make, and I really think that it can help them out. Moving on to the 16th overall selection, it's going to be the Denver Broncos. And the Denver Broncos ended up shipping uh, Von Miller out of town to kind of 
net themselves some capital and kind of get some return on investment before he was leaving as an unrestricted free agent. So I'm going to uh, stay on the defensive side of the ball here just because there's not a quarterback that I necessarily like, and I think they're going to be more in the veteran market. And I'm going to go with Haskell Garrett. So this is one of my my preseason guys that I really, really liked. I had a first-round grade on him. And I think he's still a pretty great talent. He's super explosive off the ball. He's not as, like, I guess what's the word I'm looking for here, dynamic where you can, like, play him across the front. He's going to be your typical, like, 4-3 nose or defensive tackle, 3-4 nose tackle, or, like, a 3-tack, 5 you, can't, you basically just can't play him as like an, uh, a hybrid edge guy. You can't play him in like a 5-7 or a 9 technique. But regardless, I still like his ability as a run stuffer and really be able to push the pocket from the interior. And I really think that that's something that Denver can use here. Uh, they still got Bradley Chubb once he gets healthy. And I think you can kind of steer your direction elsewhere on this defense. And when we look at corner... They're super deep at corner. They're super deep at safety at the moment. So I really don't think you can get help there. But I think this interior line spot, and I, th- I like the the value on this pick here with this guy. So I'm going to stick with it. Haskell Garrett, 16 to the Denver Broncos. Moving on to the 17th overall selection, and it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns, everybody's preseason darling after they had a great year last year, won a playoff game kind of struggling out of the gates currently and they're ending up with the 17th overall pick and where I went with this pick is they have a pretty well-rounded roster they kind of struggled with some injuries this year the Baker Mayfield uh, situation isn't resolved yet but I looked at their defense and I seen Jadavian Clowney is playing on a one-year deal he's having a good year I think he's going to probably try to test the market and see what he can get elsewhere really try to maximize his value so I went that road and I went back to the Ohio State well and I took Zach Harrison because when I look at their edge defenders when you look at Miles Garrett he's this huge physical specimen that's like an otherworldly athlete and that's kind of what everybody was expecting Zach Harrison to be they kind of expect him to be the next Bosa the kind of the next Chase Young and he hasn't quite lived up to that this year but he's still a solid prospect I believe he was like a five-star coming out of high school, so that really bodes well from here. I didn't have as high of a grade on him, but I think when we're taking a look at the edge talent that's left over and kind of what the Cleveland Browns like, I think he's going to fit the mold. And he's another in-state guy, so they're going to be able to bring him from Columbus right on over to Cleveland. So Zach Harrison at 17, which leads us into the 18th overall selection and the last one before we get into the playoff teams. And this is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Kansas City Chiefs really have not quite looked the same this year. And there's a lot of question marks on both sides of the ball. Obviously, there's not many at quarterback. They have a top wide receiver, a top tight end. But pretty much everywhere else, if you want to put a red flag, you just about can. The offensive line hasn't lived up to the hype. I know that it's a completely new unit. They're still learning to mesh together. And this defense has been atrocious. And for good reason, not. There's not a lot of talent in the secondary other than Tyron Matthew, but he can't do it by himself. And really, as a pass rusher, Melvin Ingram coming in, and he's one of, if not the top guy on this defense, other than maybe Chris Jones. So I think there's a lot of holes on this defense you can look to fill. 
And there's actually a perfect dude for it here, I think, in my opinion. And I think you're going to get a top a top tier talent at 18 here. And it's going to be Ahmad Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. I really like his coverage ability. He's super sticky in man coverage. He's super physical at the point of attack. He knows how to use his hands. He knows how to disrupt receivers off their routes. And he's really going to be able to come in and do that day one for a really great football team in the Kansas City Chiefs if he gets selected there. So that's going to be the 18th selection for the Kansas City Chiefs. So for the next pick in the draft, this is going to be where the playoff teams start. So this is where we, as discussed before, we're going to be using Super Bowl odds. So that way, if we get to the end of the draft and you're saying, oh, the Tennessee Titans are in first place in AFC, why aren't they picking last? That's why. We use this uh, Super Bowl odds from betonline.ag on their future side. So if you wanted to, well, that's as of Tuesday. So if you wanted to really knock anything, you can knock their Super Bowl odds, not necessarily our draft order. But leading it right off here with the playoff teams, it's going to be the Atlanta Falcons. And the, the Atlanta Falcons, I have taken Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. So this is one of the, the high risers of this year's draft class and uh, this year's college football season. He's an uber-athletic safety that can do anything you ask him. And really, this Atlanta Falcons team needs a lot of help on the defensive side of the football. And I think that this is the, the first step in the right direction there to help get things right on that back end. A.J. Terrell's looked really good this year. Uh, worthy of that first round selection a couple years back. Let's get another guy in there that can help him in the secondary and maybe sign a pass rusher or two in the offseason here that's going to help support this defense. So Jaquan Brisker to the Atlanta Falcons. The next pick is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. And I had the Las Vegas Raiders lining up here and selecting Trent McDuffie, uh, cornerback out of Washington. And Trent McDuffie is one of the guys that I know a lot of people are are higher on him than I am. Uh, some people have him as like a fringe top 10 prospect. Uh, I, I, I wasn't quite high on him this offseason and really leading into this season. But he does fit the bill for a Mike Mayock selection. Washington's known for their defensive backs. And McDuffie looks like he's the next guy that's up there. And really, they need help, I think, in their defensive backfield after losing Damon Arnett. And really, Casey Hayward's getting a little bit older. Who knows how long that his production's going to keep up like this. So really, I think that he could be a, a plug-and-play type of guy for their defense. And honestly, it's, it's someone that they might need moving forward. So Trent McDuffie to the Las Vegas Raiders. Which brings us to our next selection, and it's going to be the New Orleans Saints. And the New Orleans Saints, I have taken, excuse me, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State. And I was really struggling to find a wide receiver needy team that could make a selection like this. But it came to the perfect opportunity here with the New Orleans Saints as I think their number one receiver without Michael Thomas right now is Mar- Marquez Callaway. I mean, that could change with the Odell Beckham uh, news that might hit any moment here. So we're recording this as of early Wednesday morning. But really, uh, I, I can see him being a perfect fit there. He could be exactly what they need from the wide receiver position and really gives them a dynamic threat for the, the near future here for whoever's going to be under center. So Garrett Wilson to the New Orleans Saints, which brings us to our next selection. And I also really struggle with this one, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And when we're looking at what the Steelers have, they have this dynamic offense, um, absolutely stellar defense, and I don't know where to go with this team. They could use some offensive line help. They could use some DB help. 
but really there wasn't anybody on the board at the exact moment that I thought fit the bill. And I went quarterback here. I went Carson Strong. So this is a guy that's been coming up a lot in conversations. He's this big arm dude out of Nevada that can make all the throws. And I finally got to him earlier this season, like probably like week one or two to watch some of his tape. And he fits the bill. He's a big dude. He's a big arm guy. And what's the first thing you think of when you think of a big quarterback that's got a big arm? Well, maybe not big arm anymore, but big Ben Roethlisberger, right? So let's plug and play Carson Strong in here. If you get another year out of Ben, which I don't know if you're going to, he can sit and learn for a little bit as he adapts from life at Nevada to life at Pittsburgh. But you get a guy that can really stretch the field and really open up the offense with guys like Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson that I really think are dynamic uh, talents in the right with the right guy running the show. So I'm going Carson Strong to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Next up is going to be the New England Patriots. And for the New England Patriots, I think the name of the game here is going to be always surrounding Mac with the talent he needs to succeed because he's not a guy that's going to be able to, at this, at least at this point in his career, make things happen on his own. And really when I look at this team, they need offensive weapons. Uh, they have the couple tight ends. Hunter Henry's look better than expected. Uh, John Smith looked a little bit worse than expected. But really outside of that, they don't have much other than maybe Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Nelson Aguilar really hasn't lived up to his contract. Uh, Nikhil Harry really hasn't come on. Jacoby Myers has been a decent underneath threat. But they really need like a dynamic, a separator, playmaker. And oh boy, do I got one for you. Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. So I didn't, a lot of people were buzzing about this guy in the offseason. And I, I didn't really buy into the hype until I watched one of his games this year, and he was just absolutely tearing teams apart. And, like, this dude is huge. He's massive. He's, like, 6'3", like, 225. He's built like a running back. But he's able to go up and get the ball and create separation. And his ability after the catch is is next level. Like, if this guy runs a 4'4", and is just, like, an absolute workout phenom, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm actually really impressed with this guy. He's a different type of talent that we've seen at the receiver position. Uh, maybe since like DK Metcalf, I don't want to put that label on him just yet because I don't know if he's going to test as well as DK did. But I really like his ability. And if you plug him into the, the New England offense, they're going to be able to do a lot of different things with him. And I'd be really excited about that. So Traylon Burks to the New England Patriots. So next up for the next selection, it's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers. And the same thing here is normally you're going to want to select as, as many guys around Justin Herbert as you can. So getting a weapon on offense might have been an option here. But I went to the defensive side of the football and just to continue to stack the cards on that side and add chips. And to get a developmental pass rusher type of guy here, I think is a is a perfect opportunity to play opposite Joey Bosa. That could be a really dynamic piece. So I went with Drake Drake Jackson out of USC. Uh, he's, he's a real lanky, he's a real twitchy dude. I think that you can help develop him where he's not going to see a lot of these double teams from that are going to get drawn over to Bosa's side. So I really like his ability to stay in South California here and really play under Brandon Staley and flourish. So Drake Jackson to the Los Angeles Chargers, which is going to bring us to the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans are really playing above where we thought they would be without Derrick Henry as of last week. And I'm not, I'm buying fool's gold on this defense. Uh, I think their front is all right. They got Harold Landry, Bud Dupree, and J- 
Jeffrey Simmons. They're really stout up there. They got a couple of off-ball linebackers that are all right, but I don't really see anybody at this point in time that I'm okay with taking in the first round. So I go, I, I default to the backside, and I know they got Elijah Molden at the slot, and they have uh, they selected Caleb Farley, and you got to at least hope that he's going to be able to to come back from that injury after taking him in the first round. And I believe it, there was one more guy. It's out of the LSU. That, I apologize. It's really it's really beating me here. Uh, Christian Fulton, that's his name, and. He's been oft injured, so I don't know if we necessarily need to go to corner, but he's looked good at least when we when he's played. So what I'm thinking about here is going on that back end and going at safety. You get the versatile piece in Brandon Joseph to play with Kevin Biard. I think that's a really, really, really good tandem. And Joseph's really kind of a do-it-all guy. Northwestern really hasn't been that great this year, so he hasn't got as much as the love as much of the love as other guys. But he's still a great ball player, and if he chooses to come out. I, I think he's worthy of a first-round selection based off his tape from last year for sure. And his his tape is all right this year as well. So Brandon Joseph, Tennessee Titans, which is going to bring us into the Dallas Cowboys with the next selection. So the Dallas Cowboys, their defense is looking much improved, but they, they definitely could make some moves on that side of the ball. But once again, I don't really have a DB in mind that I think is worthy of this pick at this moment. So I, that's that's where I would lean to on that side of the ball. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think they need to start thinking about life after Tyron Smith because they've had his replacement in there, and I believe it's, it's, some, it's his last name, Steele. And really, he's been giving up a ton of pressures, which shows you that they need to really start thinking about what they're going to do once Tyron Smith retires. And that's where I'm going to go with this pick. I'm going to go with Jackson Kirkland, an offensive tackle out of Washington. And he's a super lanky dude. I think he's like 6'7". He moves all right. He's got some good burst off the line. He's got he's able to get in his sets. And I really like him plugging and playing, even if you maybe have to like flip him somewhere else just for now until Tyron Smith retires. Get your best five out there on the field. But really, I think that that's where this pick's going to go is you've got to start thinking about what you're going to do once Tyron Smith's gone. And I think that this is the, the, the first step in the right direction in that regard. So Dallas Cowboys, I have selecting Jackson Kirkland, which is going to take us to the Green Bay Packers with this next selection. And the guy I have them selecting has been a big-time riser up the boards here. And after watching that Jordan Love game and getting a glimpse of the future, we got to be able to protect this guy. Uh, I say we as (laughs) I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. And this dude has been a big riser. Uh, I know he's not going to be playing offensive tackle at the next level, but I think we just find a spot for him and we play him there. So I'm going Ikwem Ikwanu out of North NC State. This dude is a mauler in the run game. And we all can see that Matt LaFleur clearly likes to run the ball as much as he's really rode A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones here in the last few weeks, or as a season as a whole, really. So I think we get him plug and play at one of the offensive guard positions, and we just go with it. Uh, I know that they've had some young guys really step up. But uh, this gives you some flexibility. Uh, maybe if you got to play Elton uh, Elton Jenkins at a tackle spot because he's looked dominant at pretty much any spot on the offensive line, it gives you some flexibility there. So Ikam Ikwanu going to the Green Bay Packers with this selection. Next up is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And with the Baltimore Ravens, I take a look at their team and it's the same with any young quarterback. Is You want to get as many guys in this offense that's going to support 
the quarterback as possible, and it's no it's no different than with Lamar Jackson. And you really take a look at what Rashad Bateman's been able to do for them, really creating this underneath threat that's able to move the chains, and that's exactly what this offense needs. And why not get them another guy that can do just that? So I'm going to go with Drake London, who's been a big-time riser out of USC. I know it's going to really limit how much he's going to rise with his injury that he has. It's going to hold him out for most of the season. But I still think that that's exactly what they need. And now they have three receivers that you can play anywhere on the field. You can play all three in the slot. You can play all three out wide. And I really like their ability to have a couple guys underneath and Rashad Bateman and Drake London. Then you got this field stretcher in Hollywood Brown. So Drake London to the Baltimore Ravens. With the next selection, it's going to be the Detroit Lions picking via the Los Angeles Rams and the Matt Stafford trade. And really, it's, a, it's the name of the game in Detroit is getting guys that are going to make a difference on your team. You're going to get impact players at premier selections. And really, this is the best player left on my draft board. I had a pretty good grade on this guy. Uh, the only reason he's going to fall down a little bit is just because of he's a little undersized for his position. But I'm going Nick Benito, pass rusher out of Oklahoma. I really, really, really love this guy's burst, and I really love this guy's tape. But he's going to have to play almost in like a stand-up role because he kind of gets overpowered when he puts his hand in the dirt. But he's going to add another versatile chess piece to that front. We already got Kayvon Thibodeau. Let's add another dynamic pass rusher. Let's really get after dudes, especially playing with some of these quarterbacks that are going to be up and coming in the NFC North as Justin Fields looked really good and you still got Aaron Rodgers supposedly after this year. So Nick Benito to the Detroit Lions is going to be that selection. And as we approach the end of the draft here, we're going to have the Arizona Cardinals selecting. And I think the name of the game there is going to be defensive backs. Uh, I believe it's Marco Wilson hasn't looked terrible, but I think it's mainly due to the fact that this front seven's looked so good. And Marcus Golden has been playing out of his mind as an edge rusher. He's only playing like on a, like a two and a half million dollar salary, and it's gonna it's gonna come due here for them pretty soon. But when I look at the defensive back room, this guy's kind of a, fr- a fringe first round prospect, maybe a second round guy. But I I love this tape. I love his ability to play man, and I went with Josh Joe out of Alabama, and I really I, I really like what he's gonna bring to the table. I think he can give you a physical presence on the outside. And it gives you another option at corner to really round out this defense. So that's where I'm going to go for the Arizona Cardinals, Josh Job out of Alabama. And for the last AFC selection, I have the Buffalo Bills selecting next at the 31st spot. And for the Buffalo Bills, I'm going to have them taking Rashid Walker, offensive tackle uh, slash interior lineman, for the Penn State, uh, from the Penn State Nittany Lions. And really the name of the game is, as always, support your quarterback. And this offensive line for the Bills has played a little bit below expectations currently. So I think you can get Rasheed Walker in there. He can play tackle. Uh, He hasn't showed as much burst and as much explosiveness off the line this year as I was hoping. He was one of them guys that I thought looked like an absolute mauler in the run game, but he was playing a little undersized last year. It looks like he threw a little bit of weight on this year, and it it might have been to his detriment. So I'm going to go with him, and you can kind of play him anywhere, maybe bring him along as an offensive tackle, or just plug and play him on the interior, and you got a really great offensive lineman. So Rasheed Walker going to the Buffalo Bills. 
And to round out our mock draft here, the last selection, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they have the best Super Bowl odds at the moment. And for them, I have them selecting Kenyon Green, uh, interior offensive lineman from Texas A&M. And Kenyon Green, I think he's currently playing offensive tackle for them. He's, he's another one of them dudes that's a super t- big-time mauler in the run game. I, th- I really like his ability to get after guys in the run game and get to the next level and pick up linebackers. And really, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a couple of guys under contract. They're going to be coming due pretty soon that are getting a little bit older. They're in contract years. I think you can get this guy, plug and play him on the interior to go along with Tristan, Tristan Wirfs on the outside. And I think it, the, the the main thing is here is to keep keep – Tom Brady upright for as long as possible and really extend his window and what better way to do it with an offensive lineman so Kenyon Green going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rounding out this first round mock draft so that's going to be it for the mock draft let us know your thoughts uh let us know if any of these picks are nuts uh I think we did a pretty good job but we always like to hear from you guys so let us know what you guys think So that's going to be it for this week's episode. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I know we ran a little bit long, but I always like doing these mock drafts, getting them in every now and then throughout the season, just to give you an update of kind of where we're at on some of these college guys. And also the draft's one of my favorite time of the year, so I really like that. So as always, uh, leave us a rate review. I appreciate everybody taking a listen to this episode. We always got great stuff planned, so make sure you subscribe so you can tune into our episode next week. As always, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be even better than this week. So appreciate everybody listening. We'll see you next week.